the free for all roundtable round two Pamela Palmater is here, lawyer, professor, and activist. Tim Hudak, former leader of the Ontario Conservatives. He's now at the Ontario Real Estate Association. Adjua Nsia Yabois is here, News Talk 1010 personality and traffic expert. And actually, just as a change of pace, Adjua, I know you wanted to weigh in on um, the World Cup, and it seems that Jerry Agar is four square against it. Where do you stand? <laughs> I'm four square for it. Um, it will generate a lot of jobs it will generate a lot of revenue we'll have to pay to get it but when you look at all the world cups even the most expensive one which was in russia and which was a bit controversial they spent i think it was over 14 billion dollars on the world cup there and they actually made a billion dollars and infused money into uh their economy so it brings attention to the world stage we already have a female soccer team that is amazing we also have TFC, which also is a great team. And then adding on top of that, that means better stadium growth. That means if you watch any World Cup action, which most people do, and and especially in particular in Toronto, which is very multicultural, soccer is the world's game. And bringing that money and infusing that back into the system, I always think it's a positive thing because whatever we spend, we are going to get it back tenfold. So, yeah, I don't know what Jerry's talking about. I know he doesn't really watch soccer, so that's why he does not know. Yeah, I, well, I think he just doesn't like grand expenditures when we can't afford to pay for the hospital. Well, but Tim, yeah, can yeah. I? Just, I I love soccer. Yeah. I, I'm I'm super yeah. excited about the World Cup uh, coming. Way better than those other international games like the Olympics and the dreadful Pan Am games. Oh. But I, I'm picking I'm picking Jerry over Adwa here, and I'll tell you why. Wow! I mean, this thing. I'll tell you why. I mean, it's, it's going to pay for itself. Like it, as Adwa just rightly said, it's going to be huge. A lot of tourists coming in, great on the stage. It should really pay for itself. And back in the day, John, where when I was doing my graduate work in economics. This area actually looked into sports and economics and Mostly evidence shows that investments like this don't ultimately pay off for the taxpayer. But what they do pay off for is the politician, right? So the politicians get to be there for the ribbon cutting. They get to be there for, you know, the games. They get to put the Ontario or Canada Toronto logo up there. So ultimately, there's political payoff. Or if you lose it, the political downside if your, you know, hockey team or football team leaves town. But for the taxpayer, eh, it doesn't often pay off. Okay, Pamela Palmater, I guess you get to break the tie. I have to say I'm somewhat squishy on this, but I'm more with Adjua because normally I hate Pan Am Games, Olympic Games, Expos, all that kind of stuff. But when I look at this and I think how excited Torontonians get just for a game on the television, then I can't imagine what it's going to be like when it's happening here. I'm so glad I'm the one that gets to break the tie. Because (laughs) honestly, um, if we had that kind of money then I'm sure we wouldn't be dealing with a QP strike. I'm sure we wouldn't be dealing with the shutdown of hospital emergency rooms. I'm sure we'd be able to house all the homeless. I mean, we really have to get our priorities straight. There's nice things, there's exciting things, and then there's life and death things. And I think we have to always come back to that. And not all game scenarios actually come out with a massive profit because we don't consider all the costs. How many homeless people were removed from their shelters, were incarcerated? How many people were moved out of the way? How many neighborhoods were devastated because of new things being created? We just don't consider all the costs. So I'm 100% against it. Okay, Adjoy, you've been overruled. It's all over but the shouting. Oh, wow. <laughs> It's okay. the Tim and Pamela coalition striking again. It is. Let's listen. Well, listen, this is an ongoing debate, right? And it's all sparked this morning because uh, yesterday the city was showing off the trophy, but pointing 
out that the province should still pony up some cash to make this a possibility. Let's move on to the things that the government can't afford to pay for. Uh, yesterday, Doug Ford is saying that he doesn't regret having invoked the notwithstanding clause, even though it blew up in his face like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. But do you know what's even worse than Section 33? is threatening to go on strike, shut down the economy of Ontario, keep parents at home, keep these kids at, at home. That's so much more dangerous than Section 33. Okay, it, it, I, that's a bit of an overreach, isn't it, Tim? Well, well look, I, I appreciate the motive of making sure our kids are, are back in school. I think the bigger issue here is not the way the Premier describes it. it. It's that we've had successive Supreme Court decisions that have actually limited the ability of governments to deal with striking unionized workers that basically have invented in our Constitution a, a right to strike, overruling jurisprudence that it existed for, well, decades before that. So what would typically happen here is that you do back-to-work legislation, and then a, a binding arbitrator would make the decision to try to find somewhere in the middle. And I suspect the province thought, number one, the arbitrator would give way too much money and then set precedent agreements for the unions. And then secondly, the courts have limited that too. I mean, the McGinty government did this with teachers and the Wynn government uh, ended up not appealing it and they paid hundreds of million dollars of it as a result. So this, the provinces, the governments actually need a stronger tool because the Supreme Court has whittled their way, uh, their ability to hold tight in labor negotiations. Okay, so here's a legal question for our lawyer, Pamela Palmiter. Um, the Supreme, the, the use of the notwithstanding clause was provoked by a Supreme Court case from 2015 that said that the government didn't have the right to take away collective bargaining rights of organized labor. Okay, so that's the case. But can't Supreme Court rulings be reinterpreted, retested? Uh, Supreme Court has changed its mind, uh, mind about things in the past, hasn't it? Yeah, you know, technically that's the case and anything can happen. But generally, you know, when you're talking about overruling decisions, that generally tends to happen at the Court of Appeal level. By the time you get to the Supreme Court of Canada, you know, their decisions are meant to be organic enough that they can apply in modern conditions, just like the Supreme Court of Canada has said, the Constitution and the Charter of Rights is organic. It can recognize new rights and protect new um, rights and freedoms in changing contexts. The Supreme Court of Canada has decided that this, you know, we have to uphold this right. And I don't think it's for any of us to say, oh, you know, these people get their rights, but the other people don't. That's what's happened to Native people. And the last thing we want that to happen to is any other group in this country. And I I think ultimately it is the Constitution. It is the Charter of Rights. And it is the Supreme Court of Canada. that you can, Ford can whine about it, but that's not leadership. Okay, listen, I want to tackle a few other issues. And, Andrew, I'll start with you on this one. Justin Trudeau is jetting out of the country, going to some fairly important meetings. It's not just a uh, sort of uh, a hit-and-run tour of, uh, of all the most beautiful capitals. Um, but he is going to miss November 11th commemorations in the national capital. I know some people will use that against him, but is it a genuine problem? I don't think it's a genuine problem. As a leader, you have to decide on... Um, events that are that will sometimes take priority over other events uh, for the most part uh, he's attended a november 11th ceremonies with the exception of one other time and again it was uh to actually partake in i think it was the um uh, world war ii um i can't remember exactly it was commemoration it was, in europe yeah so it was kind of exactly. the same thing yeah so it was kind of the same thing on the same lines i know people uh, who do not like justin trudeau will find every reason to say that he should be here and he's not a patriot and yada 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 and this and that and the other but i don't have a problem with this 
things happen as a leader you have to pick and choose uh what issues are priority and how they're going to impact uh canada and the rest of the world so i don't have an issue with him missing this uh november 11th ceremonies okay and tim hudak never let it be forgotten that his very presence last year was a problem because something went awry and he showed up late during the minute of silence yeah, and, and I think that wasn't his fault. No, it I, wasn't. You can see how things would happen. Um, but, you know, I appreciate Adjo's point. I think she's right in, in the point. But to me, John, it's, it's not the thing. It's the pattern. And I think we're seeing a prime minister that, that does seem disengaged. I'm trying to think what I've seen um, of a constructive, you know, I'm going to build Canada-type proposal, a policy that's, that's gained headlines to the prime minister. He's going on Canada's drag race. I mean, God bless him for doing that. But I'm not seeing him actually moving forward with, with any kind of agenda. It, it just strikes me as part of a pattern of a prime minister who either has made up his mind or is about to, that he's not going to be running again. Okay. I know you keep coming back to that, but I think there's too much ego involved that he'll, he'll you know, run until he can't run. Uh, Pamela, your thoughts? We lost Pamela. Oh, no, I'm here. I'm back. Sorry about that. Okay. Um, Anyway, uh, I always look to the voices of those who are impacted. There's the voices that we should be listening to. And if you look at the Royal Canadian Legion and other veterans organizations across the country, they're saying, of course, it's disappointing. However, we understand that that's the role of prime ministers, that sometimes there are things we don't even know that's happening in the background or important international global issues. And so if, you know, they understand, who are we to go and speak for all of these veterans? And in the grand scheme of things, I think we really need to be reprioritizing urgent, you know, really important things versus events. I mean, he could just literally spend his life attending events. Meanwhile, speaking of leaders, Pierre Polyevre saying that he still supports the uh, convoy protests, and yet he sort of, uh, you know, came up with a bit of a clause there where he said the good parts of it. Adjua, can you sort the good from the bad? I don't know if you necessarily can. What's all coming out in the wash is there is a lot of... uh unsavory uh, characters that were involved in this and their intentions at the end of the day had um, less to do with vaccine mandates and more about their own priorities. So I'm not sure. Maybe the people that uh, gave money, I didn't realize the ramifications of it, but, um, and he has to, I know, has to worry more about um, whether or not he, um, sorry, my phone's acting weird. Um, He has to worry. I know when it comes right down to it, it's about, uh, his constituents and a lot of those people were convoy supporters so he has to tread a very fine line as to whether he's going to either go full in and it looks like he is going full in i don't think everybody that was involved in the convoy protest is is some crazy person um they just some people got caught up some people got caught up in dis- misinformation and that's what we're dealing with so yeah i don't know i understand why he's doing it it's because of the people that are that want to actually wanted to actually vote for him and so he has to worry about those people so not a lot of time on the clock but i promised we would get to the matter of mitchell miller he's a prospect in the nhl but he's got such a horrible record as a school bully and a racist school bully as a matter of fact the victim was also developmentally challenged so tim hudak is that worth making sure this guy never plays in the nhl 
Yeah, it is. Uh, unless he can can have some sort of um, re- redemption where he where he gives back, shows that he's truly sorry for his sins and has learned. You run out of time pretty quick, though, when you're a pro athlete. Uh, this was my team, the Boston Bruins, that actually picked him up. I was disappointed at that, and ultimately, ultimately under pressure, they made the right call to say, when you look at that track record of what he did, bullying somebody with developmental disabilities and the, the horrific things they made this poor kid do, I don't want him on my team either. We've got to call it there because we're at a racetrack. But my thanks to you this morning, Pamela Palmater, nice to have you as always. Adjua Nsia Yubois and Tim Hudak. Jerry Agar on the other side is going to continue the debate that we uh, certainly stirred up on the roundtable about soccer and whether or not the World Cup belongs in Toronto. Remember, it's a deal with Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. And the hope is that there will be games, you know, a certain number of games played right here in Toronto. Also, bear in mind, I'm not going to bat necessarily, and that's probably the wrong metaphor, uh, for the World Cup. But what they're planning on doing is expanding the existing stadium in such a way that they'll be able to rack it down to what it is now or only slightly bigger. But they'll be able to right-size it. So it won't be this great, lumbering, stupid, expensive stadium nobody ever uses again, like Montreal. Catch the round table, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.